Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 102 with Coach David Mello. Coach Mello is the head varsity girls basketball coach and softball coach at Fenton High School in Bensonville, Illinois. Coach Mello's teams are known for his tremendous pressure defense and high-octane offense. Uh, so many coaches that um, I've interviewed that have talked about Coach Mello. I really wanted to get him on the podcast. How does he do it? How does he build this high-octane offense and defensive system? He's going to share with you some really some key notes on what he does. Here's a little bio of, of Coach Mello. He's coached at Driscoll Catholic High School in the 95-99 seasons. He also coached at Fenton High School from 2000 to 2014. Now, currently, he's back as head varsity coach 2017 to the present. He also coached at Bartlett High School, which is very near um, his current school. He was a head varsity coach 2015-2016 seasons, where he won conference and regional championships in 2015. He has also been the head softball coach at Fenton since 2008, with two conference titles and four regional titles. He has also been the co-head girls volleyball coach and assistant varsity coach since 2011 at Fenton High School. He has coached three sports each year since 1995. I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. He's one of those coaches where you can really pick his brain on how he builds not only his basketball, but his softball program. Tremendous success. Uh, But I really want to kind of have him share on how he runs the system high-octane offense, pressure defense, and he's really going to give us some great detail on what he does with his program over at Fenton. Coaches, let's welcome Coach David Mello. Hello? Hey, Dave. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Doing great, man. Hey, how's the audio on your side? Uh, It's great. How about you? It's great, man. Thanks for taking the time out. I appreciate you. I know you're a busy guy right now this time of the season. And um, I'd like to welcome Coach David Mello to our podcast. And uh, we're so excited to have heard so many great things about you, Coach. Oh, thank you. I appreciate uh, that. And I know I listened to the podcast you had with uh, Coach Mike Sidlowski there up from uh, up in Wisconsin. And uh you know, he's he's a great guy as well, and it was fun to make the trip up there and hoping to play them again sometime in the future. Yeah, I think he told me, he says, he's, he went up there just to, he heard so many great things about you. I think you blew him out by 50, right, Coach? <laughs> uh, we, we did. We did that day. Um, that was right at the time when he had lost a couple of his better players. Right. Um, and so we didn't get the full full benefit of playing them, but it was still – you know, good for our girls to travel out of state and to see another team trying to run the same system. Yes. And that's what I want to pick your brain on. And um, I have a, I I get a lot of coaches that are system coaches. I just enjoy the unique perspective on how you guys do it. And I think it's a great way. Uh, We run it here, but it's a little bit different than probably how you guys run it uh, due to our, we don't have a lot of numbers in our program, but Hey, I'm here to learn, Coach, so I'm looking forward to uh, picking your brain a little bit. Excellent. I'm, I'm hoping to learn some stuff as well. You can always, always get better. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, I said David Miller because I'm, 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 I'm 
Portuguese and my family's, of course, Furtado. And we've had a lot of mellows in our family. Is is mellow? Are you are you Portuguese? Absolutely. On my uh, my dad's <laughs> side, going going back there, um, just prior to my dad. My dad uh, was here out, out east, actually in Boston, um, but everybody before him was from Portugal. Uh, so yeah, that's that's interesting. There, I don't usually talk to too many people portuguese or portugal so that's good to know <laughs> it's like talking to a family member here coach man this is pretty cool <laughs> right it is absolutely right right well it's it's uh, i'm looking forward to hearing from you tell us a little bit about your journey as a coach how you got first of all how you cre- created this love for the game as a kid and then how how that became a um profession of joy man i know you've been coaching a while so kind of share with us about that Sure. Um, yeah, growing up, um, it was all sports. Um, I, I had a sister that was older, uh, so she was pretty much out of the house as I was growing up. So it was just my parents and myself. And I mean, unfortunately for my dad and I back then, it was prior to ESPN being real big and, you know, every game that you wanted to see on. Um, but we that was pretty much all we did. Um, you know, was watch the nationally television. Um, even going back to when I was young, and it's crazy to think of now, but you know, the NBA finals being on tape delay. Um, <laughs> I remember that, you know, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah I know <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself there, but uh, <laughs> sure. y- yeah, I mean, it goes way back, and um, you know, one of the first big basketball events I remember watching, um was that final four with magic and Larry right? Uh, sure. way, way back in the late seventies there, I think 79, 79. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was all, all sports all the time, whether it was, you know, basketball during the winter, uh, baseball, most of the rest of the year, didn't really get into football as a player too much, but just, again, it was Sundays watching the one or two games that, we'd be able to watch back then as opposed to now, you know, my, my kids can pretty much whatever team they want to watch, they just go to channel or an app and they're able to watch it. Um, you know, and then, uh, I was lucky enough as I was growing up that my good friends and I, our dads, our coaches and, you know, travel, travel ball wasn't, what anything like it is now in any of the sports um you know my mom uh, is still alive and she gets a kick out of when we tell her like hey we're going to myrtle beach for baseball or we're going to cooperstown for baseball or you know my other youngest son's going to wisconsin for basketball and she's like i don't remember that you guys used to just go to like one or two towns over and i'm like (laughs) yeah that's how it was um you know and people these days i i hear a lot of it you know it's the daddy ball is a phrase that they use but it wasn't anything like that when we were growing up you know our our parents were out there after a long day's work volunteering their time uh and we would only be assigned the field or a gym you know one two nights a week for a practice but the dads loved what they were doing so much they would try like baseball season they'd drive us around until we found an open field 
and then the team would practice, you know, so right. it was, it was always, Hey, we're going to do more than what the other teams are doing. And, uh, you know, so my dad was my first real big influence on me in terms of coaching. And then, uh, when I went to high school, uh, to Elk Grove high school here in Illinois, um, they're, well, he's now the strictly softball. He's retired from teaching and other stuff, but Ken Grahams, um, he's, actually one of the winningest all-time softball coaches in the state of Illinois, over 900 wins. Um, And he's been doing it a while, obviously, but he had been running the youth basketball camps that I was going to in middle school. At the time, he was also coaching boys basketball. Um, But by the time I got to Elk Grove, he was just over to the softball side. Um, But I loved just the way he worked and operated and how he got all him um and to still to this day i have my softball team every spring we play against them um you know and he's just got the girls going the same way now in 2000 and well it'll be 2020 when we play in the spring that they were doing in you know the mid-1980s um and so he's been a huge influence in terms of just overall coaching it was him and him and my dad were the two. And, you know, I started out and I actually was just reading an article. I was over at my mom's today and she had an old article. He was my, um, in high school. And I started out to be an accountant in college. And then I was like, uh, this isn't really what I want to do. You know, I want (laughs) to be able to be on the move a lot and get into the coaching world. And so I switched to the PE uh world and you know ever since 1995 uh like i said yesterday it's been three sports a year uh at the high school level since i graduated college in 95 so it's uh you know every every year just trying to learn more and more about each sport that i'm coaching at the time yeah i tell you there's a lot of connections i have with you there first of all with the the family part. And we, of course, you know, nowadays, I don't think, I think there's today is so organized, but I don't think there's a lot of free play. Cause I know back in our day, my brothers and friends would go out to the front yard and play in the street or play across the street. I just don't think that's done anymore. And I think that's a negative. Oh, 100%. Um, I, and I don't know if you tweeted it out or somebody just this weekend, I was reading a story on that. Um, there is no free play. And I mean, it is, and you know, my, my youngest two are somewhat guilty of it. I guess I would be the one guilty of it, but you know, we got them into the travel baseball, travel basketball when they were young, but they still, we have a basketball hoop out in our driveway here. And um, even the other day when it was in the twenties here, the two of them uh, were out there shooting baskets, you know, a couple neighbor kids come by and they're playing, but it's nowhere near like it was. Cause I'm the same way as you. I remember, you know, and obviously there were no cell phones and stuff to, for us to contact. So we'd actually have to call somebody, you know, and then somebody else would call somebody else. And next thing you know, you'd meet up at the park and you'd have 12, 14 kids playing multiple. I mean, you'd, start out playing basketball, switch to baseball, finish with some tackle football, uh, you know, and then everybody go home for dinner. Yeah. And yeah, that's, 
these days and now it's all training you know you, everybody's got their trainers and everybody's got their travel coaches or whatever the case may be you know they they have a speed trainer they have a lifting trainer they have a <laughs> ball handling and so it, it is the right. the free play is kind of really disappeared yeah and i i think it's i think it's good and bad i think players are probably more skilled but i'm not sure if they have the hunger like some of the past players do because you basically had to learn the game kind of through experimentation on your own which i think is good coach oh sure i mean you're, you're out there and you know you make a mistake and you were the one trying to figure it out you know what sure. can i do what can i do this next time to help me beat him as opposed to you know now you go somewhere and it's a lot of just one-to-one work and figuring out ways to beat someone else or a counter move to somebody else. And then, you know, you get thrown into a game all of a sudden and it's five on five and you're like, Oh, well, all my work's been one on zero or one on a coach, you know, just giving like a token effort trying to make sure I see some success. And yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, kind of mix, um, but sure. you need you need to just play, and right, you know, and that's as a PE teacher, um, you know, that's one of the things I know we're fortunate enough here, where in Illinois the kids have PE for five days a week, and you know, it's great to see the kids come in and get their 25, 30 minutes of just playing because for many of them that's the last they're going to get. And, you know, for a lot of them, that's all they have an opportunity to get because they don't play on a school sport or any sort of organized, you know, travel program or whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I get to see that every day and that that's always fun to see, you know, you see them just kids having a great time, smiles on their face, you know, competing and just kind of, learning to work with other members, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of value in it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course I teach elementary PE coach. So the kids love PE and it's a big joy for me, even at my age to kids just love your class, man. Hey, what's your favorite, what's your favorite class? Oh, PE. And I right. think a lot of it is it, it's, it's just the ability to get out and move on their own. I don't think kids move enough on their own at home, I think everything's restricted, which is kind of a sad commentary pretty much on our society, but it should, it needs to change. For sure. I mean, you know, I referenced cell phones earlier there and I mean, and then the video game systems that are out. And I mean, you know, it's, and I would always tell my kids as they were growing up, you know, I said, if you start a game, you finish the game because too many times you see the kids, as soon as they start losing in a video game, <laughs> right? Oh, they reset, and that is a huge carryover into not only the PE world but the competitive athletics world. Is a lot of these kids don't have any concept of losing, and they don't know how to handle it, and you know that becomes another issue in and of itself, right there. So that, that's that. Yeah, that's a great point, Coach. I think that's another podcast in itself um, because I know my PE kids 
we have to deal with that every day. Kids do not handle losing very well. Um, but I think if they were, you know, if, if kids would go to the park and just play on their own, I think they would learn how to lose and handle it on their own. No parents around, no referees, correct? Absolutely, yes, because, you know, you're not going to have, if they're just at the park playing and, like you said, no parents around, you know, they're not going to get in the car for the ride home. And right away, the blame game can start getting thrown around. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the sure. referee's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's Tommy's fault for having a bad game. All, you know, all of that stuff goes. And it's, you know, the kid starts thinking, oh, yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah, you're right. It was everybody else. You know, it's and and we see it. I, I see it, you know, with high school PE now. I mean, whatever we're in a right now, we're in floor hockey, you know, and a, a team gets down three zero. Yeah. And, and it's a PE class three zero. And the kids would rather just walk off because they're <laughs> they're like, oh, well. I'm down three, nothing. This, this is over. And I'm like, there's 20 minutes left in the, I'm like, if they scored three goals in the first five minutes, you can easily score enough goals in the next 20 minutes, you know, and it's, but it's, that is that, and like you said, that is another podcast of itself right there is just the handling losing. And not even just necessarily the losing, but just not being good enough that day. And there's, teams you're going to come across that are just going to be better than you and you know just learn from it that's a that's a big thing and I know uh, Mike referenced that on his podcast there how he talked about you know we went down to Chicago to play Marshall Dorothy Gators in there to compete and obviously you tell them hey we got a chance but that's that's to learn you know you see what the highest level can do and how they play and then that's a learning experience you know none of us got upset that we got our doors blown off us that day we just went back in the locker room talked about it and we're like yeah there's still a lot more that we can do you think we've worked hard to now there's a lot more we can do yeah that's some great points right there I'm writing a lot of good notes coach and I uh because you really never lose you actually learn but That's that's but 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 the problem is parents don't get that. They're result-oriented, and I'm sure that's a battle that you have to go through as well. Yes. Um, you know, and going back, I was in seven. So when I first, when I got hired for the head softball job um, at Fenton, you know, I they were right in the middle of transitioning with athletic directors. So they were both in the interview process. And I had been on staff, you know, for the lower levels. And then I was the varsity assistant that year um, because the two females that were the varsity coaches kind of knew they were leaving. So they were kind of grooming me up there. And, you know, I told them both in the interview, I said, hey, if you're looking for 25 wins a year, you're probably hiring the wrong guy because I already have a list of teams that I'm going to schedule so that I'll know by the postseason we're prepared for anything, you know, and I'm like, I've, if we're 17 and 18 and we've lost to nine of the 10 top teams that we've scheduled, I'm perfectly fine with that because I know in the postseason we're going to be ready to do some damage because anything teams throw at us, we're going to be ready. 
And that's been my philosophy in all sports since then. And, you know, that's why, like with this uh, basketball now here at Fenton, we got Marshall. Uh, this year we're going to play probably, in most people's opinion, the top team in Class 4A here in Illinois, which will be Montini. Uh, with Jason Nichols is the head coach there. And I mean, they've won multiple state titles. He's got probably a dozen playing division one basketball right now, <laughs> and probably another eight to 10 on his roster for this year. And, you know, this summer we were in their summer league and we played him, and he didn't play his top three, four girls. And after the game, he's like, Oh, my girls were loving it. They were like, coach, can we ever play like that? You know, look at that. They're up and down the floor. They're shooting. They're, that looks like fun. You know, and of course, he's had plenty of success with what they do. So he's like, yeah, I think we're going to stick with what we do. Um, and they're, they're like, well, let's play them. And, you know, he, he said to me, he goes, I told him, he goes, oh, they won't play us. And when he was telling me that right after that, we were still on the court uh, at the end of the summer league game, I said, Hey, we went down to Chicago and played Marshall. He goes, that's right. I go, send me some dates. We'll be there. So we're playing them at the end of January. Um, you know, and I tell the girls, I said, every year I'd like to be able to say at the end that we played a state champion, you know, because then you've gone against the best of the best. And that's, that's only going to help our program as we move forward. And so, that's our that's our big like challenge this year in terms of you know hey let's learn everything we can from this team and it's that that'll be about two weeks before the state tournament begins so I'm I'm hoping that that really teaches us a couple of things that have us fully ready to go in mid February. Yeah, and that's a great point. But but tell tell our audience like. And I read an article about when you transitioned from Bartlett to Fenton, you had 54 girls at your first meeting and tell the audience that, that tell the coaches um, that Fenton had not had a lot of success. What are you doing to, first of all, what did you do in that first meeting to build the confidence and what are you doing now to kind of grow your culture and your system? Sure. Well, that. And there's a little bit of a backstory here to the to the first meeting. Um, so the, the coach had been there, the head coach had been there for 30 years. Um, and then he was done in February of 2017. And I was just getting there for softball season because I'm usually there year round. But I went back to Bartlett where I actually teach at Bartlett. Um, to take over their program for those two seasons. So I wasn't around Fenton, you know, November to February. Um, and when I was there for softball, the athletic director asked if, you know, half jokingly, I believe he asked if I would be interested because he knew that at Bartlett, we had a great crop of young kids coming in that next season and the following season, which was last year. And, you know, I told him, I said, hey, I appreciate the offer, uh, but I'm going to stick over there at Bartlett. Um, and then they hired a they hired a coach that was on staff. And 
that didn't work out too well through the end of the summer. Uh, so then late August, the AD told me, he's like, hey, did you hear we need a girls basketball coach again? He's like, if you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> and so I said, sure, sure, give me a couple of days. Um, and I came home that night and told my wife, um, you know, and obviously none of this that I do, I could do without my wife, um, you know, with coaching year round and having her at home with the four boys for all the time. Um, so, you know, we talked it over and I said, you know, the job wasn't open for 30 years and now it's been open twice in six months. Mm. I'm like, that might be a sign. And so I went back in the next day and I told the athletic director that I knew somebody and he's like, oh, wow, already? Um, and so then I told him, I said, yeah. And he goes, well, who is it? I'll, let me get his name down. And I'm like, you're looking at him. And he was kind of surprised. And I said, no, I said, I'm 100% sure. We talked it over last night at home. I'm ready to go. And so I was already there at that point for volleyball and at, at Fenton, a lot of the girls, uh, and especially now that I'm coaching all three again, a lot of the girls play all three sports. And so volleyball girls that play basketball and softball, they were like, Hey coach, you got to take this job. You know, the job's open again. You got to take it. And we had already scheduled the introductory meeting for a couple weeks down the road and we were going to keep it quiet the whole time. And so then I was like, I said, ah, you know, I said, I'd love to, but I, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm at over at Bartlett. And so we were keeping it a secret. And then uh, a couple parents started coming up to me at one of our fundraisers for volleyball and saying the same thing. And they were like, Oh, you, you got to think about it. You got to think about it. And I'm like, love to you know but Bartlett I've got a great deal going um and so heading into that meeting uh which is where you started this part off with um nobody knew and luckily the 54 girls that showed up at that meeting just happened to show up at that meeting but there was nothing that my name was out there or anything and I walked in with a, I had t-shirts made and that's why we kind of pushed the, the meeting back a couple of weeks. I wanted to make sure I got the t-shirts and everything. And I walked in with this box of t-shirts and I just dropped it down on the floor and I went to the table and I like put my bag down and uh, had a coach come behind me and shut the door. And then the girls just started screaming, you know, and they were like, no way. And they're like, are you going to be the coach? And so, you know, I, I like blew my whistle. I'm like, all right, take a seat. Everybody's in their seat. And, you know, just trying to set the tone right away, even though, like I said, 90% of them knew me or played for me in another sport. Um, and so I just told them right from there, I said, this is great. I love seeing these numbers. At the end, you're all going to get your T-shirt. I want you to all wear the T-shirt tomorrow. And I had a list of four or five things that I want that first year. And the first one was, and you referenced it, was change the culture. You know, we needed to make everybody understand that you sign up to play, you're going to be committed, 
you're there when you need to be there. We're going to introduce watching film. We're going to introduce the weight room. We're going to introduce shoot arounds, you know, and they hadn't done any of that stuff prior to us. Um, and so I said, we're going to change the culture number. You know, we're going to get our logo out there. And that was one of the big things behind the t-shirts is because no one in the building. And even when I was there on lower levels, no one in the building was mentioning girls basketball at all and you know we play in a nice gym and when there's people there it's really loud only problem was no one was ever going you know you'd have your parents <laughs> there and you'd have the lower levels watching the varsity and whatnot and i'm like all right we're gonna we're gonna get this out and so you know the next day you had 50 girls wearing a girls basketball shirt to school and then that day we had a volleyball match the next day and I had people coming up to me right away. They're like, Hey coach, that was a great idea. I heard girls basketball mentioned more today than I have in the last 10 years. Um, you know, so I, that was a step in the right direction. And then, uh, you know, once we got the open gyms going that fall um, and we do, we do keep it per the book here, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not doing anything illegal, uh, especially just getting the job. So our open gyms were strictly free open gym. You know, they came and they played and the coaching staff I'd put together, um, you know, we were just watching, kind of looking to see who could do what. So they girls had no idea what they were getting into in terms of the system. You know, they, <laughs> they were just, they were just playing basketball. You know, they were going up and down, taking a water break every so often. Um, you know, and then I told them, you know, once we, once we, in, once we get into season, I said, we're going to instill what is going to be our system. And that's going to be our brand. You know, we're, that's going to be our brand. And, you know, they're going to know our brand of basketball, you know, and then lastly, we just went with, you know, kind of the generic that everybody uses, you know, you're playing hard, you're playing smart, you're playing together. You know, it's more here for each of us. You know, coaches, we're a part of you. You're a part of the coaches. We're all on the same page. We're going to work. And, then, uh, you know, when the, once we got into the season, it was great to see the numbers being so high because obviously with what we were going to be doing, we needed to have some numbers. It, I don't think the uh, – system being introduced there at Fenton would have been nearly as effective if it had been like the year before where the varsity had eight, nine girls and, you know, it, it would have been impossible. So to, to see the number was really big. And, you know, a quick, quick story on the system is I went to it because of Montini and Jason Nichols, because when I, my first year at Bartlett, I had a really good team. And I give uh, Denise Sarna, she was the previous coach there at Bartlett before me. I give her all the credit in the world because she stepped away with a really good team coming back. You know, you see some of those, some, some coaches will do that. Other coaches will step away when the cover is bare. Well, she exactly. Stepped, she, yeah. ste she stepped away and we had talent and it was senior talent. Um, you know, so I walked into a real good situation 
and we played fast. We pressed, and they hadn't really pressed much. We pressed. We shot the three, you know, n- nothing like system basketball, but we used nine girls, you know, some games used eight girls. But, you know, you're just more traditional, but just a little faster pace with the press and a little wide open with some threes. And we had one going into the sectional and came across Montini with, you know, they had six, four, six, three, one was going to Ohio state and one was going to maybe Evansville or Valpo. And those were the two big, right. And sure. then they had another, they had another couple six foot coming off the bench. Um, and then they had just guards that could shoot, you know, and stuff. And they beat us, you know, our first five against their first five, it was respectable. But then when we had to go deeper into the bench and they went deeper into the bench, you know, they pull away. And I was like, all right. I'm like, we're going to be in set, you know, for years. I'm like, and I knew what was on the horizon at Bartlett in terms of who was coming. And it was a lot of guards. And so <laughs> I was like, all right, how are we going to come up with a way to be competitive against the Montinis? and the Bennett's and these other teams that roll out these six footers. Intrigued, you know, when Jack Taylor's scoring 128 or 132 points, of course, you know, that catches your eye. Um, But I really started looking into it and I was like, that's it. That's, that's it. And the next year at Bartley was kind of a rebuilding because we didn't, you know, those girls weren't really there yet. They were still in eighth grade. Um, but I kept researching more and more of the Grinnell and went through that second year at Bartlett. And as soon as the season was over, I went down to North Central and met with Doug Porter, who I know okay. you've probably heard his name thousands of times for this. Um, and we sat down and, he gave me 500 to 750 pages of papers on system basketball and my lunch breaks at school, you know, any chance I'd get, I'd just be sitting down reading through it, reading through it. And then uh, we put it in that summer at Bartlett and ran it all summer league. And I mean, it was, we were blowing teams out and it, again, it's only summer league and the goal wasn't to blow teams out. But when you knock down four or five threes in a minute's time, just cause you're pressing, get a, you know, deflection turns into a steal, turns into a made three and you knock down 15 points in a minute. That kind of helps. <laughs> so I was making sure we were going to stick. I was sticking with that going to Fenton. Yeah, and that's that, I mean, that's an awesome story, and I really want you to kind of start on how what what your system's all about. Um, I know with us, and you know, give me some ideas as well, because I only have I have twelve players on the roster, so we have to limit our rotations and so forth. But uh, example at the scrimmage the other night, we were four for twenty nine from the three point line and one by eight. <laughs> And it was just because 
we get we get more shots than the opponent. We got 15 more shots, which is one of our goals. So tell us about your system. Sure. Um, and that's that's great that you mentioned the more shots and stuff. And I was connecting tonight. I was looking back, just doing, you know, some averages here from what we did last year. Um, and going into it, our goals kind of I based it off of what Grinnell had. Um, and then I obviously adjusted it for the length of our game time. I wanted us getting 80 shots. Um, and the first year, 40 from the three-point line was my, my goal. Mm-hmm. So I, I had half. And then try to rebound, you know, 33% of our misses and create. Um, and in that first year, you know, we set the national record for the three pointers attempted and it came out to about 48 attempted per game. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, all right. And we carried 17 girls the first year. Um, you know, and it, like I said, you mentioned at the beginning, our numbers really helped. So, and then last year we had 19 on the varsity team. Um, and I'm like, all right, we can go a little bit faster. So, you know, we kept the shot number at 80, but we went to 50 for our goal sure. on the three-pointers. And we went to 40% of our missed shots. We wanted to get the offensive rebound. And then still 30 turnovers. And when I just did the quick numbers here, we averaged 83 shots a game last year, and our opponents averaged 55. So... I mean, we were getting 28 more shots up per game, which, you know, whether we're shooting a good percentage, 28 shots is a lot of opportunities. Um, You know, and we don't have any, like, solid, solid rebounders. Like, just kids that are like, you'd look at them, you're like, that's a double-digit rebounder in traditional basketball. But we have... 17 girls that will go to the offensive boards and each of them might finish with two offensive rebounds in a night. And we're at 34, you know, we, and then there's some games we'll have somebody that happens to get seven. And we being a small, we're, we're very small this year. We have a one girl that's a little over six foot that will be very strong inside. Um, so we'll get her a few, but she can also handle it and shoot the three. Um, so she's going to be hard to guard, but we just, we just want to go and we want, we want to get shots. And um, again, I know when I listened to Mike talk to you and he broke down our film and he broke it down even more than I did. And he said that we were probably right six seconds or just under to get a shot. And I think he had us at about one and a half passes per possession. Um, you know, if we can get a shot in six seconds, we'll take the shot. And um, I don't know if it was you or Mike, that's, I think it was you that said it in that one. Over. So, you know, I tell him all the time, I'd rather you take what people in the stands, what other purists, or traditionalists are going to think is a bad shot. I'd rather have you take that 
then hesitate, not take the shot, or to pass it, and now it's turned over. Because not only did we lose the chance for your three-pointer, get the offensive rebound and either put it right back for two, take it out for another three, and now the other team has the ball. So put it up, you know, and we we do have a lot of passers on the team, but they they know when to shoot and when to pass. And we want to play as fast and furious as possible and make the other team adjust to us. And if, if they can, I always tell the girls, hey, if the other team can adjust to us, good for them. But, I, you know, and I use the line all the time, and this past week we just started, I use it all the time. Hey, just remember, the 17 of you are training to play this way. Most of the teams we play are not training to play like this. So when they play us, that's a built-in advantage right from the get-go. You know, you're going to have to adjust to what we're doing because we don't really adjust to what the other we you know we're gonna do what we're gonna do us and then we're gonna we're gonna play our basketball yeah and, and tell me more about if you want to average 50 that that's a lot of threes right there i i thought we shot a lot um and we don't have this is what i want you to help me on we have um we just started utilizing the system, but I have some kids that I don't right now cannot play on the perimeter. Um, so I, I kind of adjust it. So I have sometimes a four out. Sometimes coach, I have a three out. I want my shooters on the perimeter, but I don't want to get that turnover because certain kids that I have can't handle the ball. Great. Tell me what I can do as far as adjustments. Cause a lot of times I'll just do a three out set. Hey, you know, and if we're ever in the situation where we have two, like, post players that I feel will give us an advantage in there, I would absolutely go to that. Um, But, you know, right now, our girls, all of them, and including our our post player that I told you is going to be have a really good year, um, she does all of the drills that everybody else is doing. She shoots all the threes. She does all the ball handling. You know, just the other day we were timing the girls on catching the inbounds pass and dribbling it the length of the floor for the layup. And we timed her just like we timed everybody else. Um, and so we just work our, we call them our fives. Uh, and we again, I tell them, you're having a number just to make it for when we sub and so they but it's really positionless basketball. Just because we tell you this time you're a one doesn't mean you're the point guard all the time. You know, you're the one. And the next time you might be the four. Um, so, I mean, in terms of, like, you're looking for stuff to avoid. I mean, we just, if we get a re- it's off and go. I mean, there's no hesitation. They're looking up the floor right away and, um, you know, I know, again, I don't want to repeat a lot of what Mike did. He went through a lot of the stuff we do in practice, um, you know, with just our full court sequence at the beginning of practice after they warm up. And it's just full go. And I'll stop them every so often in our three on two. And I'll tell them, hey, you're pushing the ball. 
if your teammates aren't full out sprinting, trying to get up to the wing, they don't want the ball. That's you. You go to work then. You do the work. Don't. We're not slowing down waiting. And I and I'll, we have our parent meeting coming up on Friday. Um, and we have a great group of parents. I want to make sure I get that out there. We have a great group of parents, very supportive. Um, you know, and they, they let us do it and we don't hear anything about it. But I tell the parents, like, some of you might not understand, like, my daughter used to play, you know, 28 of 32 minutes. And I'm like, you're right. But they also, of that 28 minutes, they might have been full go for four minutes right sure you know the rest of the time they're like dropping back in a zone you got on offense you're taking time that's why they're playing 45 seconds to a minute is it's full out sprint and you know what what i really enjoy is as we get going and you see and i like to time it during our film sessions i like the time the transition from us making a basket to us having the press fully set up. And when, when you see it just become so ingrained in them that as soon as they see that ball is in the basket, they're setting up the press and the other team is like trying to get to the ball to inbound it and the press is already set up. And that's where we, very few teams are successful pressing us and not because we have, you know, world caliber ball handlers. It's because our girls are so trained that when the other team scores, we don't let the ball bounce, if at all possible. Get it coming right out of the net, couple steps out of bounds, and that ball is in. And that girl that catches it, now you've got girls flying up the sideline, um, and I know you guys referenced whether it was the rim runner. I think Mike said the alley. Sure. We just we just call her the block. She just sprints to the block, and you know now you and then we have the trailer, which was the inbounder, and teams try to press us, and it's you know you see them they'll press two three possessions, and a girl's like running up to cover the inbounder. And if she's running up to, you know, guard the inbounder, the ball's already crossing half court. <laughs> and she's like, look, she's, she's looking around like, coach, what do you want me to do? And then, you know, the other team and we get, we play with a lot of energy and that's, that's done through practice. We practice with music. Um, every practice has got music. You know, the, the girls are high, high energy and our bench is nothing like you see on ESPN with some of these college teams that have choreographed celebrations and whatnot but our our bench is very into the game and i mean they know that they have to be because if not we'll see it on film but it's not a fake energy they're celebrating any little thing that happens so when we can get the other team to call a timeout in the first two three minutes of the game our bench just erupt you know they run onto the floor to greet the girls coming off um you know, and that's another, there's a lot of probably odd things that, that we do. We don't, at a timeout, we stay out on the floor pretty much right near the free throw line. We don't, we don't go to the bench. If they need a drink, you know, they'll run over and they'll drink 
right on the sideline, but we stay out on the floor and we, everybody stands. Everybody stands. Um, you know, nobody goes back to the bench. We're in a circle. We go through it and then we're right back, right back out there on the setting up the press or setting up the inbound, whatever we're going to be doing next. Coach, tell me more about that. That's interesting. I don't, I don't see that too often. Is that a psychological advantage to, for you or, um, cause that's a little bit different. Tell us more about that. Why you do that. Yeah, I started that way back, even at the lower levels. And it was more of like, Hey, we're not tired. We don't need to sit. You know, I used to have them out there by right, like right by the chairs, you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and again, that was playing more traditional basketball. And so those five girls that were on the floor, before the timeout, we're probably going to be out there for a while still. So I knew they needed to drink their water or their Gatorade, whatever the case may be. But now, you know, these girls that are on the floor, when there's a timeout called, they might only be back out on the seven seconds, eight seconds, you know, 15 seconds. So if they need a quick drink, they'll run over, just quick little drink from their water bottle and right back out. And we're just, showing the other team like hey we're ready we're on the floor and you know our timeouts are very short too i i try to speed it up because i and i tell the like we don't want timeouts like the timeouts don't help us timeouts help the other team now if they're using all their timeouts in the first quarter that's great because in the end of the game they're not going to be able to you know call a timeout but we'll talk real quick we'll say something and then usually what we'll do is if there's a major adjustment or any sort of, you know, matchup or we want to change our trap is we'll turn our attention right away to the next group that's going in and we'll spend the time telling them what the plan is, put the group right back out on the floor, let them do what they were doing. Now the group that's checking in, they go in fully aware of what the changes are going to be you know, or if they're going to run one of our quick hitters or if we want to, you know, double the post or whatever the case. Usually we'll tell that next group that's going in. Yeah, I love that. And it's such a team oriented. And you, one thing the girls know within a system is everybody's going to contribute, which I think is particularly at the girls level. I think it's morale building. I think girls like that. I think they're more of a, community than probably on the boys side don't your girls appreciate that everybody's going to have a a role 100 percent. you know it's we like and last year with nine, 19 was a lot 17 is probably still a lot but it it worked for us this year i mean i think we have 17 our jv team has 18 and our freshman team has 16. So we're, I think we're at 51, <laughs> uh, you know, so we're able to do that with the 17. But one thing that I really like when I'm watching the film is by the end, you know, our girls, they have their shooting shirts on until they go in. By the first quarter, every girl on our team has her shooting shirt off. And you just see the difference in their body language as opposed to the difference on the other side when it's third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and you've still got three, four, five girls 
with their shooting shirt on, you know, and they're just kind of slowly moving if there's a timeout or, you know, they're getting water for their teammates. They're not cheering as much as they were at the beginning of the game where our girls, they, they know, and we thought all, all of our girls are going to play game in every quarter for quarters one, two, and three. And then when it gets down to quarter four, we will cut down we need to. If we don't need to, then we'll keep going the way we were. But again, you're going to play in every quarter of every game except for the fourth quarter of certain games. And I think that's really helped. You said it, the girls certainly are different than the boys when it comes to that. You know, if, if they know they're going to be out there contributing, it makes them feel really good. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting fired up just listening to you. I know you, <laughs> you can tell, you can tell just um, what it means to you. You can tell the, just the psychological advantage that you guys have over these teams. And I know I haven't seen your team play. Matter of fact, I would like to have you send me some video on them, by the way, but um, tell me about practices. I think, I think to develop that type of style, you got to practice a certain way. Tell us about your practice system and tell us about how are you developing these shooters? Sure. So, and now, you know, and anyone that, has seen us play or they listen to this, you know, they're going to be like, that's probably using the term shoot loosely. You know, we don't have anybody knocking down 40% from the line, maybe even, you know, some of them are close to 30, a lot are in the twenties, um, but they all get their reps. Um, you know, so tomorrow, for example, we come into practice, they do their warm up right away. And then minutes is our full court sequence um you know and i shared a lot of this with uh mike last year after we played him up there and it's you know we go it we do the 1v1 chase um we do that for a minute on each side so that they have to use their right hand and their left and you know i tell them we're gonna get a lot of opportunities at layups we've got to be able to make layups and you've got to be able to make layups under pressure of somebody chasing you um, so we, we do that and then we do just a simple two on zero, one pass and a two on zero, two passes, um, just to make sure that we get the girl that receives the outlet pass where she passes it ahead, but then she's got a full sprint to get the ball back, to lay it in. Um, and then we did, we used to do when I was back at Bartley, we did what we call the six spot layout drill, um, you know, where you got the free throw line extended on all four sides and then you'd have a girl at each basket and then they would just pass it, you know, free throw line extended, get it back, pass it up, yeah, get it back, yeah, lay sure. it in. Um, but then when I, you know, at Fenton with so many numbers, we made it the eight spot. Uh, so we added two more girls starting with baskets at half court okay. so that it would just be constant movement. Now, you know, you, like you said, you, I think you said you have 12 girls or so. Yes. Um, so you'd probably have to stick to just the simple six spot, but us with 17 to eliminate the standing around because, you know, we're, we're training them to always be going when they're, when they're in. So 
we try to eliminate the standing around. So they do that eight spot to the right for two minutes. Um, and we, we count makes and, you know, depending on the day, like, you know, if we have a game the next day or if we have a lot to get in, like this week, we still got a lot inbounds plays and all that stuff to put in. If they don't meet the goal, we'll have them go again right away. Um, if they, they meet it, then we just go left-hand side. Um, and then we'll go a continuous three on two and we give them one shot at the basket or a turnover. And then you go the other way and we'll mix that up. Sometimes we'll do it for a time. Other times we'll do it to a. So if you're, if you're on the group of three that scores, all three of you get a point, not just the girl that scored. So all three get a point and you know, we'll play to seven. Um, and we've had a girl before win and she didn't score over the basketball one time. She just happened to be on seven same team that scored. <laughs> so right. she was, <laughs> you know, and we've no boundaries, the balls live. So I, we, you know, a little bit of Tom Izzo there in that we do a lot of, you know, you fight and if it starts to become too long of a held ball, then I'll blow the whistle and just give it to one girl or the other. But, you know, we want them to fight for it. And, you know, because I tell them these other teams aren't going to be nice. You know, they're going to, they're going to want the ball and they're going to do what they have to do to get the ball. So that's what you got to do. And then after that, we'll shoot some free throws right away. And then that'll wrap up our full court. And then we'll do our fast break cycle. Uh, And what's amazing about this year's group is we have nine, nine of our 17 are freshmen and sophomores. Uh, we're young. And last year we started out 40 seconds and they, they do five trips down. Each girl gets a shot. Um, you know, the, we, the one will get the first one drives it all the way for the layup. And then we do one pass ahead to two for the three. And then going the other way is one pass ahead to two to the five coming across the paint for a post move. And then we go the one crossing court over to the three. And then we finish with the one crossing court to the three with the pitch back to the trailer. And that's the five trips. And on uh, Friday, my assistant and I were like, it was the first time we were doing it with this team. And I'm like, what do you think we should do? Eight? And she's like, look in. She's like, we start with like 40. And I'm like, I don't want to go to 40. So we did 38. And the first group actually got it done in 36. So from <laughs> that point on, we just put 36 on the clock. Well, the trailer within that 36. So if they're not running full speed, you know, sometimes they're taking that shot from beyond half court um, because we're telling them you got to beat the buzzer on it. But, you know, we're just, that's just getting them going up and down and it's fast. Right. One group is down to the far end for their fifth trip. The next group is already onto the court and my assistant's taking the shot and I'm setting the clock and they're off. And, you know, we'll let everybody get five, six trips total with that. And then we, um, we'll go into what we call Duke shooting. And I know uh, Mike was explaining it with the 
five suitors, one at each of the five spots, and then three or four rebounders, depending on you know how many are there each day. And they shoot for a minute from each spot and rotate. So every girl shoots for five minutes. And then the, you know, we get a winning number and then obviously the losing number and the losing team will do a quick up and back. And, you know, as with a lot of three point shooting, when they're hitting in the eight minutes, we'll get numbers 135, 140. And the other day we had when they weren't hitting 67, you know, 75. So it's always, it's always fun to, hear what the numbers are when they're done with that. Um, and then we, we do ball handling. Um, you know, I know a lot, the first year, especially even people at Fenton were like skeptical, you know, and they were like, all all your girls are doing, all they're doing is running up and down and shooting the ball. (laughs) And we're like, we're like, well, that's what it looks like, right? That I, I I get what you're what you're seeing. That that's what it looks like, but trust me, they're developing. There, there's basketball skills there, and you know by by the middle of last year, when more wins started to come, and we're winning more conference games and taking the top teams in the conference to the last possession, you know, then all of, holy cow, like your your girls are good. I'm like. Yeah, I know. They're, they're, they practice to be good. They don't just come out here and we run up and down for a little bit and then we go home. I'm like, we we still practice. Um, you know, so my assistant handles the ball handling and, you know, she'll mix it up. One ball drills, two ball drills. Um, our primary ball handlers, we've gone to putting plastic bags around the basketballs. Mm. Uh, just to just to try and have them work to keep getting a feel, a feel for the ball, even with the plastic bag on it. Um, so some of our girls that like to go to the right hand side more than they should, we've done the old uh, paper plates with the rubber band over the right hand and forced them to just have use of the left hand. Um, you know, and so they get the development there. And then uh, we have two different rebounding drills that we'll mix in. Um, I know Mike described the one that's more of like a battle zone. We call it three-team rebounding with a team on each side of the lane line and then a team at the free throw line. Okay. And the paint the paint is the battle zone. And we put eight minutes, 12 minutes on the clock. I'll shoot it up and – we like to keep the ball in the paint and there's one member of each team in the lane and you stay until you score and it gets physical. There are fouls and, you know, but again, it's finishing around the basket through contact and being the stronger player. And, you know, I'll send help in for a girl if she's in there for a minute and a half and the other teams have run through, you know, two or three girls from their team. And it's, you know, the poor girl, it's just not working. So I'll send in a teammate to help her. But we, we try to avoid that. But, it, you know, it's you see it in the games pay off with the way we rebound. You know, they, they go after the ball 
no matter where it's at. You know, the ball's going out of bounds. The other team's looking at it. And I got two girls full out chasing it. They'll die for it. They'll slide for it. You know, we had a girl last year. Um, she graduated now, but we have her freshman sister with us. She would end up three, four rows into the stands to save a basketball. And, you know, one time she ran through the other team's bench and knocked over like two of the other chairs and one of the assistant coaches from the other team going after the ball. So they go, this drill really gets them going after the ball. And the negative side of it is we do, like I said, we do fall in that, but and I, the refs aren't going to call everything. If they called everything, now, we'd be there for, we'd be there for six hours. <laughs> so tell me about that again, coach. So you have, um, Basically, it's it's like war rebounding, right? So, now do do all three teams are in that battle, or is it just two? All three, all, all three. One girl. So there's three girls in the lane, and and they're going at it. We keep the score. Um, you know, we keep the score up. The scoreboard. We, that's another thing that we've we changed. We we use the main scoreboard for everything. Um, sure. When I was there, when I was there at the lower levels, you know. Each team kind of had one of those portable clocks. We use we use everything just so they can see it way up high there. It's all there. Never a doubt what the score is, what your score is, how much time's left in the drill. You know, everything everything's timed and up there. Um, so we keep score on that, and you know, the winning team go will go under the side and cheer. The other two teams will do a down and back. The last place team will do two down and backs, you know, and then everybody gets a quick drink. Um, and, you know, that's another part of it. The The breaks are, they have the breaks, but they're, the length of the break is very limited because, again, you're training them to play a certain way and taking a five-minute water break is not really realistic sure. to what the game's going to bring. Um you know, and then so after that, they've got that rebound and they hit hard. Um, you know, then we'll we'll do our station work, and this is this is huge. We didn't do it the first year. Um, we did it like we would take stations. We have six baskets in our gym, so we have okay. six stations, and we'll go four to six minutes. We, we do six minutes most days, but again, early in the season when we're trying to get some other stuff in and then like days before games, whatnot, we will shorten it, but we have the six stations. Um, you know, I'm, one of them is always our shooting machine. The, uh, Dr. Dish, we, we have that. We always have one of them is the mic and drill. Um, and we do the one ball and then, Okay. Um, just to help them with court coordination, you know, I tell them you got to shoot it with the right rebound it with the right, shoot it with the left rebound it with the left. And they keep that going. Um, and this, this is a big part. I, many, and I don't know what your team makeup is. We don't have a lot of AAU players. We don't have a lot of travel basketball players even like local travel basketball players um you know so the first year i'm like demonstrating 
film there. I'm like, I'm showing something. And then I'm like, I'm like, look here on your drive to the basket. Like the girl cut you off here. You could have went another two dribbles and just gone up with the reverse. And they looked at me like I was speaking their language. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, they're, they're, they're like, they're like the reverse. And I'm like, yeah, reverse layup. And so we have one station. And I mean, it's, I, and I know it's varsity basketball. So it may be a little, little basic, but we need it. We have reverse layups and floaters, you know, so they'll, they'll do a reverse coming in from the right. They'll do a reverse coming in from the left. Then they'll attack from the top and just relief or what would be like, you know, the other team's big coming over to block it and just working on that. And when we finally had a girl execute the flow, uh, the reverse in a game, you would have thought we won the state championship. <laughs> they went crazy. And, you know, at first I was like, how do they not understand, you know, these different finishes at the basket, but that's where they were is right. it was just, Drilling, and you're doing your right-handed layup or your junior high left-handed layup, and there was nothing else. And I was like, all right, well, we got to, you know, add some of that. So we have that as a station. Um, so we have a station. We call it free throw golf. So the first girl shoots. If she makes it. If the next girl makes it, now the total is two. If the third girl misses, she gets the score of two because we had made two in a row. Um, you know, and then it starts over back at zero. And then at the end of the six minutes, you know, you see who won. Obviously, it's like golf. So the, the lowest score won, which you would hope would be your better free throw shooter for that round. You know, and sometimes now we've gotten – you know, I'll go over by that station and I'm watching and we'll have six, seven, eight, nine makes in a row from the three different girls. And then the girls step up and miss. And she went from zero to nine on one miss. And she's like, I was winning the whole time. I'm like, I know, but you missed the pressure free throw, you know? So we do that. Um, and then we do the medicine ball uh, finish at one of the baskets we, we bring out we have the girls just pick them up off the ground power up to finish all right and how how heavy is your medicine ball six six pounds six pounds wow so they're actually shooting that into the well they, are they, they use the six pounds wow and we do it. We do it obviously on one of the side baskets, um, okay. so that the the game rim is not taking the brunt of it. But you know, you see them start out early in the season; it's a struggle, and then as the season progresses, they're going up strong. And you know, it's finishing again at the basket because when we do get those rebounds, we're not kicking it out for a quick three. We want to finish at the basket, and so <laughs> the more they can finish, the better. Right, right, sure, love it. Um, you know, and then then we'll do our we'll do our scrimmages, um, and we do we do them short. We'll do three. We have three teams. 
Um, the one team that is not playing, they're not just watching. They're either on the machine shooting. They're working on free throws. They're working on ball handling. You know, it's they're wor- It's not stand and watching. So if we have teams of six, you know, the one sub is ready to play. But otherwise, it's you're standing there. But we just game games to seven, and you know we've had plenty of team gets the ball. They make a three. They press. They get a steal. Lay it in. They're at five. They steal it again. They lay it in. It's seven zero. The other team didn't even cross half court. You know, but then you have other times where they might play for two and a half minutes. And we usually, if they start to get up into the three range, we'll just say next basket wins. Because, again, they're never going to be on the floor that long. So I'm not, I don't really see the need to have them playing for four minutes when that's not ever going to happen in the game. You know, and then, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I love that, Coach. I love how you broke that down because I, I, um, I always love – it's funny how every coach I speak with has a different way of running practice, but there are a lot of similarities in a lot of coaches. Um, I love what you're – you are teaching more skills than anything. Right, and that's – you know, again, that the narrative to a lot of people, and, you know, and I'm glad that more and more – going to the system and I know you know there's another team here in the state that's running it um, I've talked to a couple other people that are like looking into it a couple of the colleges around here are running it you know in the beginning it was there was a lot of the negative in that well these girls aren't going to ever play in college because you know unless they go to a college that's going to do that how are they going to have the skills but no, I mean, we, our number one is we're developing basketball players. We're developing the young women first. That, that would be first more than anything. You know, we're teaching them the accountability, the discipline. Um, you know, I mentioned before how we have the music playing a lot, you know, and, you know, that's very probably, I guess, new school you would use. And I, I think you tweeted out <laughs> this morning about like TJ Fleck and, uh, and uh, ah, man, I love PJ. PJ is my favorite, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of people don't like that stuff. You know, they're like, you got to be like Nick Saban or you know Bill Belichick or whatever the case may be. And believe me, our girls know it doesn't matter who you are if you're a second to the shoot around for the game or you're a second late to whatever we're, you're instantly sliding down the rotation. You know, you, you lost your, it doesn't matter if you're one of our seniors, if you're one of our freshmen, whatever. I mean, last year before the regional game, you know, we, we we're only allowed 15 for the state tournament girls. So we had to, there was four of them that we couldn't dress for the regional and, we had our 15 picked. Well, one of the 15 didn't bring her shooting shirt to shoot around. And she's like, Oh, well, my parents are going to bring it to the game. And we just said, Hey, <laughs> sorry. If, if you can't remember that and have that ready to go, how can we, and how can your teammates 
expect that you're going to be ready to go on the floor. So we changed it and put in the next girl. And, you know, it's our girls are accountable for their grades. They're, they're accountable for everything. So that, you know, that's the big thing. You want to develop them as young women first, you know, and then developing with their basketball skills when they're with us, you know, and we've been fortunate enough so far that each of the last two years, uh, we've had seen a seen one senior the first year and two last year, and there could have been more, but they just chose not to play, have gone on to college basketball. And, you know, college coaches that just play traditional and they're like, wow, they're like, that was fun, you know, and we're like, oh, thank you. And then they're like, and we really like, you know, this one and this one. And then I'm like, hey, we'll, we'll get them out here to talk to you. We'd love to have them play college basketball, you know, and they're, they're ready to go. They're not just going to show up and start shooting threes for you. They, they might take some threes that you're not happy with, but they'll be able to do the other stuff too. Um, you know, and then lastly with practice, on a, on a normal practice, they, we go to the weight room. We go to we we get into that weight room and very few teams that I talk to around here consistently get into the weight room. And I believe in all honesty with everything that goes on, our girls get stronger and stronger as the season goes on. And they're in there and there you just see the improvements not only in the weight room but then on the court you know when they they used to get knocked over from this little shove in the beginning now it's taken a lot more to knock them off balance and you know before finishing through contact and get the ball knocked away now they're hanging on to that ball and they're finishing you know, and they're they're jumping a little bit higher. They're just a little bit quicker, you know, and we go in there. It's 30 minutes to 40 minutes every chance we can. And I'd say on average, we're in there for, uh, you know, and then if we have only one game in a week, we might be in there five days in the week. But we get in there and my, my assistant, has a program put together that we came up with uh, and she put it all on cardstock for them. They have a folder, they have a pencil, everything's recorded and they go around and, you know, the clock's running for the minute at each station. They go through there and then she'll hit them with a good core workout at the end. And, you know, that will break and, you know, then the day's over. And they've, they've put in a good two and a half hours, um, which I know is sometimes against what a lot of the system stuff tell You know, they, oh, we've shortened practice to an hour and a half or we've shortened it to an hour and 15. And in essence, we've shortened the basketball portion of it to, you know, maybe an hour, 45, two hours. But then when you add in the weight room, which in college they can do, you know, outside of practice, but for us, we got to do it when we can. So we're, we're typically two and a half hours a day. Yeah. And that's what it takes. I mean, it takes that. Um, yeah. I didn't know you were going to go that long. I actually, most of your system coaches are going, like you said, 
less than that. But you mentioned a great point. You keep them off their feet because I think that's the biggest part of injuries is constant pounding, right, Coach, on the court, particularly for girls, that landing, that jump, you know, all that is tough on the feet and the joints. Correct. Um, um, By going to the weight room, I think is really helping that. It is. It is. And, you know, I, I took the weightlifting that we did in basketball right in the softball season, and mm-hmm. we lifted there. And, you know, so I was lucky that a lot of basketball girls were getting a chance to lift there. And then we lifted over the summer at summer camp, you know, and I, I know a lot of people do summer camp a lot of different ways, um, but we incorporated the weight room into our summer camp as well just so that the girls would be in there and, you know, they're not, I don't want to rely on them to go out and lift on their own necessarily, because, you know, whether you have access to a gym or not, that could be debatable. And, you know, I know they got homework and you've got else going on. So you can lift with the team, the better. Yeah. And I think that's just a better morale. Um, It's, I think particularly for girls, I think to have that circuit training, I think what you're doing, I think that's really team building stuff that you're doing, particularly as they get more confidence uh, really in their, in their own bodies and the strength. Correct. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they'll, they'll challenge each other too, which is great. You know, we, we do dips in there and we, and we do the real dips, uh, not, you know, just laying, leaning back on the bench and doing them. We do them on an actual dip machine there. Um, and you know, one girl will get to six and then the next girl is like, Oh, I got to beat that and try to get to seven, you know, and then they'll come around in another week or two and see if one of them could do eight. And, you know, it's, it, it is, it's good. And again, in there, they got the music going and, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of, they have a lot of fun being there, which is huge. You know, we don't have them coming up to us yeah you know i I think i'm gonna quit or i i don't think i'm gonna you know want to keep playing or this or that you know it's it's more it's fun but they're developing as people and as basketball players and just the the other thing and um i don't know how much longer you want to go but the other the other thing that we do um on game days with our shoot arounds is as you were talking about the team building stuff and the is we now eat before the games and it it varies if it's a home game or an away game but we will have one day we'll have peanut butter and jelly and bread and bananas and apples and stuff laid out and we'll shoot around they'll come into our office all the stuff's laid out they'll make their sandwiches get their fruit and we'll head to the bus, you know, and the next game might be a home game and we'll have trays of Mastacholi because we're not playing at a, on a home game. We're not playing till 730. And we finish, okay. we finish the shoot around around 415. You know, we'll have trays of Mastacholi, salad, you know, a little bit of bread, uh, water. They'll get that plate and then they'll sit in the bleachers and the freshman game starts at 430. So they'll they're watching the freshman and they're all sitting together no headphones you know that 
I don't know how you feel about that, but that I know I don't let them. You're there to talk to you. You know, you're not listening to music. You're not doing whatever. We have, we have music all the time in practice, the weight room. When you're with your team for this, you're conversing, talking, you're seeing, cheering on the freshmen. So we don't allow any headphones. They'll have their cell phones with them. You know, obviously, if their parents need to get a hold of them, but we don't, they're not out on their cell phones texting other people, playing. And also, in our when we're at home, we closed off the bleachers that are behind the benches are players only. Um, so all spectators, our spectators and the opponent spectators have to sit on the other side of the gym. And, you know, our opponents tell us thank you for that sometimes as well. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. then they, they get away. And the coaches are like, okay, good. Now I don't have, you know, this one's mom or this one's dad coming over either a talking to me as the coach or B like trying to bring them McDonald's or trying to bring them something, you know? So it's, we, we do that. And they'll, so we'll have the varsity girls sit behind the lower level bench, you know, to support them. And then the lower levels will sit behind our bench when we're playing and stuff. So we, we keep that side closed off just for us. And, you know, just trying to get them to spend as much time as possible together and just realize that if they're together, we're going to be stronger, you know? And I told him, I just told him the other day when we made the selection of the team, you don't all have to be best friends. You know, I don't expect you to all hang out outside of school and stuff, but when you're here and you're in the gym and, and we could, we, we do close all the doors um, in the gym. And I mean, people are welcome to come in, you know, we have administration stop in, but I don't want other students, you know, standing at the door, causing any sort of distraction or anything. And so it's just like us in the gym there. And I told them, I said, when you're in here, you come through those doors, go into the locker room, you come out. Now these have got to be your best friends, you know, but then your friends are your friends. Just, you know, remember if there's a team function of some sorts, somebody sets it up, you're choosing your team over hanging out with your friends. You know, that's, that's how it's got to be because you're committing to being a member of this team. Right. Those, those are some great ideas, coach, right there. And I love that. I think all the coaches, and I got quite a few coaches that listen to this. So, they're going to be they're going to be getting some great information. My last question, because I know you're busy, and I know you try to get ready for your day tomorrow. Um, I'm a big believer. You mentioned PJ Fleck. I love the guy, and I love his passion. But uh, we have adopted what we call row the boat, and it's very similar to what you're saying. Everybody has to be rowing the boat together. All right, focusing on, you know focusing on the present, not the past or the future. Tell us about what you guys are doing to row the boat. Um, well, what we have and row the boat and that, that I love that one as well. My, uh, one of the guys that I teach with um, when he was the head there, that was the, their mantra as well. And he, he's another guy that just loves PJ. Um, but what we have is, 
you know, and I, I saw you followed yesterday, I believe my softball account on Twitter. And then I followed you off of my basketball ones because I have sure. two separate ones. Um, <laughs> so, so what we have is we go off of three hashtags that we're using. Um, and the first one, when I took over was believe and, you know, I, and we were, we do that odd. We change all our E's to threes, you know, that's mm -hmm. on our practice. That's on our practice jerseys. That's on everything that we hand out to everybody. Um, that they see the number three everywhere, <laughs> everywhere they look, they'll see the number three. Um, but you know, they, they really buy into the hashtags that, that we use. Um, and the first year was the believe because I wanted the girls that were in the program coming back off of not having really any success the previous few years to just start to believe that they could compete, you know, just because Fenton shows up at somebody's gym, it's not like a bye week for the other team. You know, you got to believe that we're going to get out there and play and we're going to compete to our best abilities. Now this year I told them we slid believe down one rung on the ladder and we replaced at the top with relentless. And I told them I want, we are relentless in everything we do. And, you know, that's why, like, in practice with that three-team rebounding, when they're in the battle zone, when they're in the 3v2 and we play with no boundaries, I mean, you just got to go. You got to go get it. You're relentless. And they probably were sick of me saying that word last week, but I just kept repeating it, you know, and it's it'll be on all our tweets that go out. It's hanging over the door, uh, leading them onto the court outside the locker room. Um, I took all our names that used to put the names of the girls up next to the scoreboard. I don't know if you're familiar with the, sure, you know, sure. we just got a, you know, basic scoreboard, but next to it is the name where you got to like put the cutout letters and stuff. We don't have anything digital or anything like that for the names. And we took the, all the names off and we let the captains come up with a quote. And then we have the team has a quote. And we'll put that up there. And then we have our hashtags. So whenever, you know, times get tough, they can look up there and remember that the stuff up on the scoreboard is what the entire team came up with. You know, you're not looking up there to see anybody's name. That's, you know, I, there's no individuals. So it's everybody together. But Relentless is the one we're using the most. And then, of course, being a system team, our our third one is put up a number. And I believe Grinnell used that. That's where I kind of got it from. And, you know, I tell him, I said, put up a number. And for each individual person, that number may be something different. For us as a team, it may be something different. You know, one night we might make 15 threes. The next night we might score 75 points, just most of it off the press and getting lay-ins. You know, I said, but we're putting up a number. What a, whatever that number is, you know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta define it. Um, you know, and obviously the the three is a big number that we want to put up a big number of threes, but I don't tell them like, hey, we're, our goal tonight is to make. 15 threes you know our goal is to shoot them and then 
whatever we make, we make. We don't make them, we go get them. You relentlessly go chase it down. And yeah, I love that, coach. Yes, yes. Um, and I think it's important for all coaches to have that because don't we? We have to inspire. We can't just give X's and O's. We got to give uh, players a reason to believe. Absolutely, 100%. And I mean, like I said, I read a lot of the stuff this morning on PJ Fleck and Dabo Sweeney. And, you know, there's going to be people that disagree with whatever certain people are doing. And there's going to be people that agree. But, I mean, I saw the video yesterday of PJ just getting them fired up before the game and then running them onto the field. And I'm like, how could you not want to go play for that guy? Exactly. You know, and <laughs> my two youngest sons are big Clemson fans. And, you know, so we watch a lot of that. And we actually visited there this summer. Um, and, you know, just the stuff that Dabo and just, I mean, just the way that he talks and you see the interviews and stuff. And that's great, you know, and, and those other guys are, I mean, I could not like what Bill Belichick does and, you know, Tom Izzo, Coach K, and on. But if you can get the, especially this day and age with the, you know, the generation that we're in, if you have that enthusiasm of PJ Fleck and, you know, that carries on to the game, you're going to beat some teams that you normally wouldn't line up and beat. And, you know, that's, that's what I think we're all, we're all trying to have success. And it doesn't always have to just be wins. You know, you can have other types of success, but winning is a lot of fun and helps them see that all the hard work and all the belief and all that is paying off. But, you know, we, we don't talk about winning a whole lot. We talk about a lot of the other stuff that leads to the winning. Um, and if they do that, they're going to have plenty of success, not only with us, but in life going forward. Yeah, and it's all about life skills, right? You're trying to prepare them for later on. Um, and it sounds like your program's all about effort, communication, teamwork, and you're, you're doing a tremendous job. I really enjoyed, Coach, kind of picking your brain. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, make sure you keep in touch. I would love to get um, some of your stuff from your program, like your drills and uh, some of the other things you're doing and so forth. Um, your philosophies, whatever I can get from you, I would love. So I love to kind of pick the brains of great coaches like yourself. You're getting a lot out of kids who are not really, I guess, like you said, talented. I think you're a special coach, and they're they're uh, they're so fortunate to have you. Well, so thanks, thanks again for coming. On. No, I appreciate that, and then I will uh, absolutely get you practice stuff, and I'll get you. Are you on huddle? I am on huddle coach. Matter of fact, um, if you can send me a, um, we can do an exchange or whatever you want to do there. I'll, I'll be glad to get some of your video. Send you, uh, and I, I did that with Mike too. I'll, and actually another coach down in Georgia, uh, reached out to me after, uh, Mike mentioned my name on your podcast there. And I sent him some film. I'll send you a couple films where we were really, really good. And then I'll send you one okay. where it didn't look so well, you know, and then you, you can <laughs> sure. shoot in and then I'll, uh, I'll shoot you uh, some of the practice plans and different drills and stuff. And we can keep a nice open line of communication. That would be great. That'd be great. And I'll send you some of our video too. So you can kind of uh, critique me harshly. 
No, believe me. Hey, what you're doing with this podcast, I was scrolling through there yesterday, uh, like I said, on the way back from my son's cross-country meet, and just the number of coaches that have been on there and everything. I mean, what you're doing is amazing. You know, I I never knew that anything like this existed um, until – Mike mentioned my name and that other coach down there in Georgia sent me an email and I was like, I have no idea how this guy knows who I am. And he's like, you got to check out this podcast. And then I went and listened, sat there, I listened to the whole thing and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So, I mean, what, what you're doing is great for coaches, for basketball, for girls, basketball, for the system. Um, So all hats off to you as well. Coaches, hey, coach, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I love getting like, I, I call all these coaches that I interview, you, you're like a soldier, man, because you are the, the, the last of the, of the great coaches, and that's the high school coach. And I don't think we share enough together as high school coaches. There's a lot of great coaches like you out there. I'm trying to find them because I think the best coaches in America are high school coaches, man. And I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And we'll, like I said, we'll stay in touch. I'll get you the film and the practice plans. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do this year. And we'll definitely uh, be in touch. Coach, how can the coaches get a hold of you? You uh, I mentioned your Twitter and also maybe get, if you want to give out an email. Sure. My email is uh, mellow, and that's M E L L O at Fenton, F E N T O N, and then the 100 dot org um and then yeah then we're on twitter uh with the at bison girls b-ball um and i've had plenty send me messages on there and i i am more than willing uh you know my wife asked me that last night because we were listening again to when mike was talking about all the stuff i shared and she's like you sent him all your stuff i'm like yeah absolutely i'm like you know he's a guy doing what we're doing I can get from him. He can get from me. I'm like, it, and it's trying. It is good to have some sort of a community of system coaches. And so, absolutely, yes. I will. I will share with anybody. I'm more than happy to, you know, get other ideas from other system coaches because I know we're doing it our way, and that's not 100% the correct way by any means. But that's the way we know right now. But I'd be more than willing to make changes, learn other ways, and uh, continue to grow. Yeah, thanks, Coach, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I wish you the best. And let's kind of continually to um, kind of stay stay together and uh, keep on communicating. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out. Excellent. Thank you so much, Coach. All right, Coach. Take care now. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. We would like to invite you to the Coach's Mindset Clinic held Saturday, November the 16th at 9 a.m. at Model High School in Rome, Georgia. This is sponsored by the Rome Area FCA and there will be no cost. Feature speakers will be Doug Duke speaking on sports and mental health and Adam Weingarten speaking on character development and team culture. If you have any other questions, please reach out to Milt Travis at 678-386-7921.